So, uh, I wonder how you feel as you're sitting here this evening. Do you feel comfortable? Do you feel at home? Do you feel like you belong here? Or do you feel a bit like you're an imposter, maybe? A bit of an outsider? Not quite sure why you're here. Whatever you're feeling as you come this evening, we want to let you know that you are welcome and we hope that we've made you feel welcome. Apologies, uh, we do make mistakes, but we hope everyone would feel welcome. And each Sunday, what we hope to do here and throughout the week is to introduce people to and to remind each other that we follow a God who welcomes perfectly, who takes us even with all our mistakes, and offers us a seat at his table. And we're going to be looking at a story uh, about Jesus's table. Uh, and it's such a different table to the tables that society offers us. Society and what we see around us tries to section us off into lots of different tables, depending on where you come from, your background, your education, your class, whatever it might be, and tries to pit us all against each other to fight for resources, for a voice, for power. But Jesus's way is so different. And we're going to look at a story in Luke 14 that Jesus teaches us about how we, as his followers, are called to stand out from society. And we're each invited to pull up a chair at his table where things are done differently. And so I'm going to invite Ed up uh, to read uh, this story. Jesus was at the house of a prominent religious leader, and they were gathered round a table. And this was what Jesus said. Jesus said to his host, when you give a lunch or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great, great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. 
I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us through the Bible. We thank you for what you taught while you were here on earth. Speak to us this evening, we pray. Amen. So, as I was uh, looking at this story, just get that out of the way so everyone can see me, I'm only little. As I was looking at this story and reflecting, I had three questions that came to mind that I thought actually might be questions that might apply to each one of us. And uh, sometimes when I'm reflecting on something in the Bible, I start to draw and it helps me process my thoughts. And I got a bit of carried away this time. So my illustrations, uh, you're gonna have to suffer, aren't quite as polished as the photographs uh, <laughs> that I tend to get off uh, online for my normal sermons. But we're gonna be looking at three questions that come around this idea of a table. And the table could be your table, literally, at home, time together, or, or elsewhere, coffee shop maybe. Or it could be here at church, our home, together. Or wherever you gather with people, a space where people can be heard and hear others where they can share resources and enjoy each other's company. So that's what we mean by this idea of the table. So the three questions. The first one, who will we call to the table? Jesus doesn't say, if you invite. He says, when you invite. And each one of us, whether we feel like it or not, has invites to give out, whoever we are. So who will we call to the table? Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors, because they can repay you. But when you give a banquet, when you invite people to share time together and to listen to each other and to do something together, Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Now, this is an incredibly challenging passage. And as I was thinking about it, I thought, actually, this is a passage that has shaped Christians throughout history. It's something that has made us stand out as distinctive in society. If we go way back, I was reading about this guy during the week, and it's in the name, St. Samson the Hospitable. And he came from a very wealthy family. But when his parents died, he decided to sell everything and carry on in a very simple way. And he felt called to look after the sick and the poor around him. And he uh, lived at the time of Emperor Justinian, who became ill, and someone said to him, you need to go to this Samson guy. He's the only one that can heal you. So he went, and sure enough, Samson healed him. And the emperor said to him, I want to repay you. Can I pay you in gold and silver and riches? And he said, no, I've given all that up. But what I would like 
is that you would build a place where the sick can come and be healed. And that was one of the first ever hospitals. Our word hospitable is the root of the word hospital because it was Christians being hospitable to heal the sick. And this was a hospital that was very unusual because it was for anyone to come in. And at that time, it was only if you were wealthy that you could afford that kind of thing. And so Justinian built this hospital, which actually served Constantinople for 600 years. And as I was reading, the thing that stood out about this hospital was this. It said, it should be noted that such institutions were unknown to the pagans. They built grandiose edifices, temples to their gods, palaces, theaters, circuses, whose ruins amaze us even today by their enormous size. They spent huge amounts of money on luxury and pleasures, but nowhere do we see that they tried to ease the lot of the sick and suffering. And St. Samson stood out as different, distinctive, because he followed Jesus, whose teaching calls us to offer hospitality to those that the rest of society sometimes forgets or excludes. And when you look throughout history, Christians have stood out in this way. If you look at the history of our school systems, orphanages, hospitals around the world that have been founded by people, called by Jesus to care for those who are on the edge of society. But what does it mean for us here in Sutton Coldfield in 2023? Who is it that we're meant to invite? Who are the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind? Who is this for us? It's interesting, in the passage, it says, you don't invite your friends because they can repay you. You invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind because they cannot repay you. And I think that's the secret in it. Who is it that we can invite that maybe can't repay us? And I was chatting about this uh, with the staff team earlier in the week, and I was thinking, who is it in our society? And we came up with some ideas, but you have, might have loads of other ideas. And if you think about the people that you relate to, these are some of the ideas we came up with. Kids, they can't invite you around. I mean, they can invite you around the house, but they don't really have the authority to. People with lots of kids or dependents who struggle to host people in their own homes, but also who we struggle maybe to invite around because they're harder and actually no one else is inviting them. Maybe people new to the area who don't know anyone in the community. But also old timers. Let's not overlook people just because they've been here for a long time. The spiritually poor. People living in a shared house or maybe with their parents who can't invite people round but would love to get to know people. People living alone who feel like maybe they can't host a load of people and it's too much for them. Or people struggling mentally or emotionally that again, are going to struggle to repay the invite. And also people in clear sight that we assume have been invited by others. Let's be a people that don't have people left out but there are hospitable people. So who will we call to the table for a meal, for a coffee, to an event or an activity, for a walk, to church, 
or next Sunday. This is a QR code to the link on the website about the fun day, uh, f the fun run fun day with more information. Could you send that link to a friend and say, come join me next Sunday. Come have a barbecue. Come have a coffee. Bring your kids along. Let them go on the activities. Come watch the fun run and then come up. Have some breakfast at the beginning. Whatever it might be, can we invite someone? Who can we invite? Who is it that's come to mind as we were looking at that list? Will we be part of a little clique? Will we become a club for insiders? Or will we be part of God's kingdom that invites outsiders in, whatever their background, their class, their habits, their character, their age, their ethnicity, their education, their wealth, invites the outsiders in? Will we go along with society's divisive tendency, pitting people against each other, pushing people out to make ourselves feel more important maybe, feel like it's something more exclusive, or just because it's more comfortable not to invite anyone else in? Or will we go along with the table that Jesus talks of, where people are invited in from some of the least expected places. And then secondly, will we come to the table? We do have invites to give out, but we also are each given an invite by God, ourselves to come to his table. It's on us to choose whether we'll respond and how. The people that the guy invited in the story that Jesus told, the expected guests that everyone thought would go along, made excuses. And their excuses seem quite valid. I don't know if any of you heard that story and thought, actually, it's a bit harsh, really. I mean, they're quite valid things. The guy had got married, for goodness sakes. Why do they seem so valid? It's because we can see the importance of their excuses, and that's the crux of it. What is most important? What's our priority? Certain people and relationships, our work, our possessions, or coming to Jesus and letting that define how we then act in our relationships and our work and towards our possessions. Do you get the difference? It's not that we'll neglect our marriages or our work, but it's the order of priorities. We come to Jesus first, that's our top priority, and that then defines how we act within the others, rather than these being our top priority, and so we push that down. Our choices show our priorities, whether we like it or not, whether we think there is a way to change or not. Because at the end of the day, if something is a top priority, we will make the changes to make sure it gets the attention that it wants. We've all been there, and we've all made excuses. I think I've made probably most of these. I'm too busy. So-and-so needs my help. I've got too much work on. I need a bit of time out, so I'm gonna go play so-and-so. I'm gonna go sit and watch so-and-so. I'm gonna go 
hang out here, whatever our hobby is. I'm too tired. I need to study. I need to go shopping. I've got some stuff to sort. And a lot of these things are good things, but they aren't necessarily the best things. And when we stop to reflect, we, we can tell when they're excuses because we don't really want to put God first. When we spend time thinking about it, we'll, we'll reflect on it and we'll realize what our desires really are. There's a story about when Jesus uh, was visiting some sisters and he was welcomed by a lady called Martha into her home. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet listening to him. But Martha was too distracted by all the stuff that she had to do to host Jesus and all his disciples. And she got wound up with her sister. And so she said, Lord, don't you care that Mary has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And this was Jesus' response. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. What will we choose? To sit down at the table with Jesus and listen to him? Or to get distracted by other things? Will we come to the table? What's our priority? Will we choose to pull up a chair with Jesus? This is a choice that affects our lives now, but also eternally. Will we choose to respond saying, yes, we'll sit with you, Jesus, today, this week. I'll spend time with you in your word, in prayer, worshiping you and learning about you with your people. If we choose to say yes this week and the next and the next, it will enrich our lives now. He'll help us to live our best lives, literally, the, the lives he created us to live now. But also, it will mean that we will be at the table when the heavenly banquet begins. Will we come to the table, or will we be somewhere else, doing something more important, and so be shut out from the feast, like the guests in that story? Will we be shut out from the feast where the food never ends, where the wine never runs out? That's a choice that only you can make. None of you can make that choice for me. And I can't make that choice for any of you. I can only recommend that is a banquet you don't want to miss out on for anything or for anyone. Will you come? To the table. And then lastly, will we commune at the table? And this might sound like a weird word, but in other words, if we choose to come to the table and we sit down, will we stay regardless of who else has accepted Jesus' invitation and who we might be seated next to? Now, communes is a bit of a weird word. Partly chose it because it's another C, but partly chose it because it's perfect 
for what I think we are called to do around the table. This is the definition in the Collins Dictionary. To converse or talk together, usually with profound intensity, intimacy, etc. Interchange thoughts or feelings. To be in intimate communication or rapport. Will we commune at the table? In the story that Jesus told, the host of the banquet told the servant to invite all kinds of people, people from all over, city dwellers, country dwellers, the sick, the lame, the poor, the blind. This is a picture of what Jesus wants. The host said he wanted the table full. And so the invite goes out far and wide to some very unexpected places. And this is a picture of the table that we're called to sit down with, to sit down with Jesus. Are we willing to stay and to commune? Deep listening and sharing, intimate conversation with whoever we might be sat next to. Jesus began this mixing of lots of different types of people when he was on earth. Just think about it. Just, just thinking about his 12 disciples and the women. There was all kinds of people. People who had suffered under the Roman rule and people who had benefited from it. People who were really religious and some who probably had almost no edu formal education. Men and women fairly poor people and quite wealthy people, impulsive people given to violence, but also the slightly slower, more doubting, skeptical people, and even some siblings, which if none of the rest decided to not get on with each other, they were bound to not get on with each other. And even so, they stuck together, even though they had so many differences between them. And they lived together, they traveled together, they provided for each other. Why? Because they all followed the same man. They were united by him. So will we commune at the table? Now... Amongst us here, there will be all kinds of differences. We'll have different views. Just like the disciples had very different views. Imagine what it would be like for someone who had, was a day laborer, who'd been crippled by paying taxes to the Romans, to be traveling and living with a guy who had benefited from all these taxes that the Romans had been doing. And yet, both lots were disciples of Jesus and lived together. Above all of their differences was their love for Jesus. All their backgrounds, their view, their preferences, their political alliance and their social standings became secondary. And it's not that those things weren't important. It's not that any of these things aren't important. We want to campaign for a better world. But are they primary? Will we come to the table that Jesus invites us to? Are we willing to stay and commune? Deep listening and sharing, 
intimate conversation with whoever we might be sat next to, whatever they might think, whatever they might believe. And if someone was to draw you, what placard would you be holding up? What is the most important thing to you? And again, it's not that these issues aren't important. But what or who is our primary allegiance to? And how does that affect how we love and listen to people that are different from us? Jesus held up a very different kind of placard, one that proved his self-sacrifice, his self-sacrificial love for each one of us and for each one of those people that has different views than us. For Jesus' disciples, this became the most important thing in their lives. It's not that they never disagreed, because they did disagree. But above all of that was their commitment to Jesus, to calling others to join him and to take up their crosses and to commune with Jesus' people as if they were family. And Jesus knew that we would struggle in this. He knew that his people from the very start, were full of things they disagreed on. He knew that it would be a hard task for us to be united in him. And so he prayed for us. And he prayed for his followers then, but he prayed for all his followers in the future. So he prayed for us. He said, I pray that all of them, all of us, may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved them. So, will we commune with those at the table? Will we be united by our love for Jesus? Or will we try and exclude those we don't like or that we don't agree with? Or leave the table ourselves? Stand at a distance maybe or just walk away completely? Because we're more bothered about our differences than we are about what unites us. So, we have invites to give out. Who will we call? Those that can repay us or those that can't? And will we personally come to the table that Jesus offers us an invite to? He offers us each one that invite. Will we come or will we make excuses? What or who is our priority? And lastly, will we commune at the table? Once we've accepted this invite, if we do, will we then get put off by the other guests and leave the table? Or will we sit down and join the rabble of guests and get to know them, listen to them, really listen to them, speak with them and eat with them? Will we be the response to Jesus' prayer for unity and be united with these people despite 
our differences because of our common love for Jesus? And will we show our society his kingdom way of doing things? One people, united round one table, open to all who wish to accept the offer, regardless of who they are, where they come from, and what they've done.